Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We continue our series today, Faith and What We Hope For. So let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message entitled, The Christian Pilgrim. I'm reading Hebrews 11, 13 to 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, and if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You know, many people have seen Hebrews 11 as the hero's hall of faith. And these are the people who have lived lives that have a great deal to teach us of how we can live our own. And so the writer of Hebrews has spoken about Abel, and then of Enoch, then Noah, then of Abraham and Sarah. And what he concludes about those five outstanding people is that they lived their lives and they thought of themselves as pilgrims and strangers on the earth. Now, I'm completely aware that we rarely use the word pilgrim today. It sounds like one of those old Western movies if you've ever seen one. But a pilgrim is a traveler. That pilgrim is someone who's on a journey from one location to another in order to discover a sacred place. And in our day of air travel, we no longer have pilgrims. But in the olden days, when the world was large and when many places had yet been undiscovered, A pilgrim would be on a journey to some faraway sacred place, a place that might take him many years to get to. He might expect never to get back to where he was from. And on the way, he would encounter strange cultures and unexpected adventures and life-threatening dangers and the possibility of running out of resources. It was a wild adventure, and only the brave and daring would undertake such a thing. I like the image of a pilgrim because if you really think about it, That's what all of us are. We are pilgrims. None of us are remaining on earth forever. We're on our way to a sacred destination. Now, for some, you could hardly imagine that because you think you're not going anywhere. I mean, you've got a job, you've got kids, there's schooling, and there's some other thing, and you think about a new year in terms of a, you know, series of plans that you make and things that you intend to keep. Uh, For you, life is about stability in your world. You think you're not a pilgrim, you're a settler. And a settler belongs to the country they live in, and a pilgrim is only passing through. And a settler puts down roots and feels comfortable. And that's wrong. It's an illusion. Life is not a set of plans. It is a journey. So we should think about this coming year as a journey and a pilgrimage. Now, our passage begins by saying, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Well, according to Hebrews, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah were not content with the country they lived in. And that's the first step in getting the pilgrim mindset. But instead of simply grouching about it and having gab fests about everything that's wrong with this world, they went on a pilgrimage. They were on their way to a better country. Well, that's the image we need to employ. We're journeying to a land called heaven. And heaven, yeah, it's real, it's physical, it has cities. It has a system of government. It has established patterns of relationships between human beings. And so, yeah, it does have laws, although there is no law breaking in heaven and there is satisfaction. 
Heaven is all we pilgrims have ever longed for. That's where we're going. And in the meantime, we must be careful not to become attached to the present world, lest somehow we forget our pilgrimage. It was that old Negro spiritual that said, This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. That does not mean that we can't enjoy this world, but it does mean that we judge the reality of this world in its proper perspective. I mean, think again of the pilgrim. He might be traveling to a beautiful country or a barren country, but he knows he's just traveling through. His joy is not in the country he occupies, but he is thinking about the one where he is going. And I encourage you to think that way about all the things that you both have and hope to have or experience in this world. Now, as we travel, we need to seek the roadway of heaven. And it's so significant to say this. All roads don't lead to heaven. Jesus said there is a broad road that leads to destruction, but only the narrow road leads to heaven. The pathway to heaven is the pathway of faith. It's the pathway of holiness. Look how Abel traveled it. Abel was concerned that in his offering, he offered to God his very best, unlike Cain, who offered to God his castoffs, his leftovers. For Noah, the pathway of faith came in building the ark. For Abraham and Sarah, the pathway to heaven meant leaving their home and traveling to the land they would later receive. So what does it mean for us to travel the highway that leads to heaven? Well, part of the answer is found in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I wonder if you've you know, ever been driving your car on an unfamiliar road, and you say, hey, you know, I wonder if I'm on the right road. And so you look for road signs that will tell you Well, according to Hebrews 12, verse 1, there are, in fact, three road signs on the highway that leads to heaven. And if you don't see those signs, you're on the wrong road. You know, first, the highway to heaven demands that we travel light. We must lay aside every weight. It has to do with the earth's attachments. You have to lose your love for the things that are passing away. So, So let me get practical. You know, how much money do you personally spend on those things that pass away? And how much of your money is spent on those things that are eternal? You know, if it's all about the things that are passing away, that's where all your cash goes. It's a warning sign. You're on the wrong road. The second road sign is putting aside the sin that clings. The highway to heaven is a highway of holiness. Let me ask you, what sins are you clinging to? What are the things that you particularly love? What are the sins that you are determined not to give up? Change your mind about that. You're on the wrong road. And the third road sign is running with endurance. You know, when I was in high school, I was a long-distance runner. It it required endurance and meant never quitting. Now, I knew that others, you know, could beat me in a sprint, but I also knew that I could beat them in the long haul. I was just too stubborn to stop running. But listen, our whole life should be spent traveling the roadway. See, I want you to think of the highway to heaven as the project of a lifetime. It's not an add-on when you have the time. I mean, you know, some people read their Bibles in a spotty fashion and they show up in church, but they're irregular. They get involved in ministry if it suits and they pray occasionally. And they get back to the journey and fits and starts. But really, they are occasional tourists to spiritual things. They're not pilgrims. They're not hardened travelers who have left home and are never expecting to get back. So once you gain the mindset of a pilgrim, then you must subordinate all other concerns in life to this major goal. Now, think of it like a pilgrim might think of it. Pilgrims carry money, of course, but 
They do it to supply them for the journey. Pilgrims care deeply about what happens to them today because today, if lived properly, is going to propel them forward to the end point. But once they allow something to be greater than the goal, they stop traveling. They stop being a pilgrim. I love what Jonathan Edwards said. He says, Thus we should eat and drink and clothe ourselves and improve the conversation and enjoyment of friends. And whatever business we are setting about, whatever designs we are engaging in, we should inquire with ourselves whether this business or undertaking will forward us in our way to heaven. And if not, we should quit our design. (laughs) I know someone's going to say, well, pastor, it just sounds so extreme. I I don't prefer to, to think of myself as a pilgrim. I'm a resident. You know, someone who's building strong roots in the present moment. I'm learning to live in the moment. I'll let God take care of the future. Hear me. Thinking that way is the greatest mistake you can make. Look at the beginning of verse 13. All these died. Yep, all these died. Read it again. These all died. The book of Job teaches us that all our days are but a shadow. You see, and this is the first reason why it's a mistake not to think of our lives as a pilgrimage, and it's this, life is short. You know, I met someone the other day, and he said that he was in his middle years. He was 60 years old. Now, what did he think? He was going to live to be 120? He wasn't in his middle years. He was in the third period of the hockey game. You're in middle age when you're 40 to 45. Now, those of you who are in your mid-20s or 30s might be tempted to say, you know, I'm going to live a long time yet. You know, maybe I'll become a pilgrim later. But Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto a man once to die, and after that the judgment. So don't think for a moment that you can escape your appointment with death. For some of you who are listening to me today, this is the year that God has appointed as the year of your death. If you're young, you need to listen to the aged. All of them say the same thing. They say, life is short. Those of you who are old all say, I'm frankly surprised at how fast all of this is gone. No one says when they're old, life is long. Now that they say, life is short. This year, God has blessed the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada with both the increased opportunity and provision to teach the Bible. It's undeniable that His helping hand has been at work as we reflect on everything He has allowed Back to the Bible Canada to accomplish on His behalf. Now we look forward to all He has in store for 2023. This calendar year end, Back to the Bible Canada has a goal to raise $519,000 by December 31st. This will help position the ministry to carry out all the plans God has crafted for His glory. Now each of us has the privilege to participate in sharing the gospel through the trustworthy teaching of His Word. Your partnership plays a crucial role in ensuring the ongoing ministry of Back to the Bible Canada, and we are beyond grateful for it. To offer a gift toward our year-end goal, just call 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. If life is short, then let me also say eternity is long. The Bible speaks of heaven as having months and seasons. You're going to find that in in Revelation 22. 
that speaks of the eternal marking of time and the rhythms of the life to come. What will the year 382 in heaven be like, or 1742, or 2025, or 28472, or 400 million and one? What will that be like? And we will say, wow, we've been here long, but I'm so content, and yet I've only just begun. What will it be like looking into eternity, an eternity of learning and growing and accomplishing things and deepening in our worship, and still I've only just begun? How long is eternity? The question itself is unanswerable. And because life is short and eternity is long, how should we then live the days of our pilgrimage on this earth? Look again at verses 13 and 14. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. I want you to notice those words. They are seeking a homeland. In other words, their lives were spent journeying and seeking and looking forward to the day when they would find the homeland. They were anticipating it from that I think I can draw some application to our pilgrimage today. First, don't fear loss or aging or even death. Why? Because you're not a settler. You're a pilgrim. And so let me take each of these three items in turn. First, the idea of loss. I have a little theory about life. We spent the early part of our lives gaining, and then after that, we spend the last and greatest portion of our lives losing more than we gain until we lose everything we've had in this world. So when we're born... We've not only gained life, but we've probably also gained a family. And then we gain in maturity, and then we gain in education, and we gain friends, and we gain a career, and we gain a life partner, and we gain children, and we gain a home, and we gain plans. But then the losing starts, doesn't it? It begins by losing our youth, and some of us are frightened by that. And we've gained all the children that we're going to gain, and some of us argue that, oh, we're still going to gain grandchildren, and many of us do but no more gaining and growing of your family. The children move out. The house becomes emptier and quieter. We move toward retirement and we lose our job and we start to lose our friends to death. And if we really live long like a lot of Canadians want to, we'll outlive our spouse and maybe even our own children and we'll be left dreadfully alone. And if you're on pilgrimage, not to worry, you never thought you were going to stay here, did you? Let's talk about aging. You know, it's especially popular after we get to a certain age, not to mention our age anymore. You know, what woman happily announces to her friends, guess what? I'm 40 today. I'm so excited. So how did that happen? I mean, talk to a child and they'll say, guess what? I'm five. And they hold up those five fingers in one hand. But as the years go by, we equate aging with losing and we begin to fear. And so it is that we face death. Now, don't you see? We're portraying a settler's attitude, or not pilgrims. Let me try some scripture. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. Ecclesiastes 7.1. Let's try another verse. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Psalm 116, verse 15. How about this? I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Philippians 1.23. One more. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. In other words, 
The fear of loss, aging, and death is the slavery of Satan given to those who adopt the settler lifestyle. Why should you fear death when it's the portal that gets you where you're going? And if you've lost a loved one who has died in Christ this last year, you should grieve the loss, but don't grieve too much, for they were on a journey and they had reached their destination. They got home. Grieve for yourself, not for them. Greet every year that you get older as a precious gift in your journey. Celebrate your birthdays. So that's the first instruction to pilgrims. Stop fearing. Second, avoid living in the illusion of the good old days. You know, verse 15 says, If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. The writer of Hebrews says that when we're seeking a better land, we don't return to the land we leave. You know, tomorrow we're going to see what that meant for Moses as he abandoned the treasures of Egypt for the treasures that were stored up in the Messiah. I'm about to get very practical here. There are some of you listening to my voice who are spending your entire lives planning your own wealth, and then you want to just drop out. I mean, you dream of the day that you won't have to work, and it's a day when you won't be saddled with commitments. And for you, the good life includes travel and luxuries and pleasures in this world. Your plans don't include ministry and sacrifice and being mistreated with the people of God and leaving everything for the cause of Christ. You're a settler. And all you're facing is loss. It was C.S. Lewis who put this matter so well. He said, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. (laughs) I say this as long as you are satisfied with one hour of making mud pies in the backyard of your slum and ignore the greater and eternal wealth of Christ. Well, you'll abandon your pilgrim life and you'll abandon any hope of real joy. Your life will have been wasted and you will have traded in your eternity for the mud pies of today. And as we approach a new year, that will be our temptation. Satan will try to get us to abandon the pilgrim life so that we might sink our roots in this mud pie, in this slum. And he will tell you of the great rewards for this life, so much so that you will speak of them often and never again speak of the greater riches of Christ. He will tell you that you can have heaven and this earth, and he will lure you into a settler's life, and you will find the fleeting pleasures of this earth to be all-consuming. And your desire for heaven will be abandoned, and every passing year will continue to be a threat, and death will loom over you, and Satan will torment you with it. Avoid the treasures of Egypt, my friend. And finally, may I give you a New Year's resolution for this year. Think of heaven every day. Can I ask you to do that? Some of you are going to say, Pastor, now I don't even know how to think about heaven. Well, here's some shameless self-promotion. Get my two-week series entitled Heaven and listen to it often. Start there. You know, some time ago, in a sermon on John 14, I made a comment that went something like this. There are times in my life when I am simply homesick for heaven. It's as if my heart aches for a country I've never seen before. 
But I know that, that all that I am was made for that country, and I can't be content until I'm there. And after I said that, after I said that, a number of people came to me and said, I, I don't know what you're talking I've never felt homesick for heaven. And I felt sorry for them. Look at verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Key word is the word desire. What I wish to foster in you is a craving for heaven. If you're journeying there, wouldn't you think about it every day? I mean, for what else would motivate you to carry on as a pilgrim and not become a settler? And if you don't yearn and wish for heaven, well, you're not going to be journeying there. And when I read Jesus, he actually talks this way all the time. Listen to what he said in Luke 6, 22 to 23. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Yeah, your reward is great in heaven. So why suffer and be inconvenienced and give yourself to missions and drag yourself home from a hard day of work and go to your Bible study and, and stand up and witness for Jesus at your work and do your devotions and pray when you don't feel like it and give money for the gospel until it hurts and fight the temptations of the flesh with all the energy you have. Why do that? And the answer is simple. Because you long for and you passionately desire and you yearn for a country that is not your own. Or have you become a settler? John, I think the whole idea, the whole definition of pilgrim is really central to what you're talking about. That sense that God has created us for something, to go somewhere, to do something, not to just settle. Yeah, and, and, and settling is so easy to do. Um, and I suppose if you live in the same place all your life, you naturally, I think, think of yourself as a settler. But you shouldn't, even if you live in the very same house that you've lived in all your life, uh, you should still see yourself as a pilgrim. With every passing year, things are changing and the landscape is changing. Um, so, you know, the life of faith says, I have no lasting city here. I'm heading towards my heavenly home. So there's every reason in the world uh, not to root down, not to so lament the losses that we have, but rather, you know, keep our eyes focused on the great gain that lies before us. See yourself as a pilgrim on the road to the celestial city, and you're going to get there. Thanks so much, John. Remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, Faith and What We Hope For, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. We're coming to the end of your opportunity to register for the Back to the Bible Canada 2023 Israel Experience from April 16th to the 24th. The time is drawing close and we're nearing capacity. So if you've been thinking about joining us for the Israel Experience 2023 with Bible teacher Dr. John Neufeld, Laugh-Again's Phil Calloway, special musical guest Amanda Stott, and the Back to the Bible Canada ministry team, now's the time. We're also offering an optional Jordan extension, April 24th to the 29th. So seize the day and join us in the Holy Land. Numbers are limited, so register soon. Please note that all costs associated with this event are paid for 
by the participants. No ministry funds are used. For more information, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.